What's up, okay. media boys? How you, how you doing? What are you drinking there? A Diet Mountain Dew. Oh, I, because... I have Dr. Pepper right here. Oh, rad. I have a peach mango seltzer that exploded on me earlier. So, <laughs> like a like a clown. <laughs> a clown's bow tie. I got I got a little bit too close to a clown's bow tie. <laughs> now, if a clown if a clown's bow tie had peach mango seltzer in it. I would uh, get a little bit. I get much closer. Every day, right? (laughs) I put my mouth on that damn bow tie, (laughs) or flower, depending on the clown. Yeah, true. Because when this flower, when this exploded on me, it didn't explode in my mouth. It exploded (laughs) on my shirt, and that's useless. I'm not gonna lick up my shirt. I can just, you know, I'm just gonna drink the rest of the bottle. I'm, I'm, I'm less. I have less seltzer than I did before. Okay. So it's just That's a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. It's a lose-lose situation. But if a clown exploded in my mouth, uh, <laughs> when, when the That's clown a win-win. explodes in your mouth, <laughs> That's a win-win because he gets a laugh. You know, other people get a laugh out of it, and he's like entertaining. Maybe people are going to pay him to see that. And I get some delicious peach mango seltzer. Would you tip the clown if you squirted it in your mouth? Yes. I bought this okay. bottle for about 89 cents. I'm going to give him maybe, okay, if he squirts this amount of <laughs> seltzer, which is, let's see, 33. And then he holds out ounces. his hands. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hand him 89 cents. Him 89 cents? That's a lot of well, work that's... for him to squirt in your mouth. Yeah. Why well, don't just like, give him a dollar? Yeah. Like straight a dollar. Well, you know how, like, shit he's got to make like, tip somebody and just like, okay, 10 cents, 20 cents. Like, God damn. That's, that's disgraceful. It really Maybe is. Maybe it's so. I have a lot of change. Okay. I got to get rid of it. How much change right. do you have? About 89, 89 cents. cents. <laughs> oh. <laughs> See, I what happened it was what it is. I bought this peach mango seltzer straight from Beep. Not going to say where because that's free advertising. And also, if I said it, people might Google where I went, and then they know where I am, and that's doxing myself. Not going to do that, okay? Uh-uh. Media boys but, here are not about swatting people. Hell I no. went to the store just to buy a single bottle of seltzer, a one bottle. I get back home. I put it in the fridge, and I say, I want it now. I go to sit down with my sandwich. I open the bottle. It explodes all over me. The sandwich I ate was turkey and cheese Ooh, and mayo. And, you know, I picked up. At the store, I picked up a box of Go-Gurts, okay? Go-Gurts. Nice. Go-Gurts. And it was covered. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shitting you in black slime. <laughs> it was black slime black on the box. Black slime? I got it on my hand. I think it might have been COVID. That's pretty gross. It's oh probably a Go-Gurt. Yeah, it's probably okay. just like old-ass Go-Gurt. On the box? Yeah, like in, yeah. The, in the factory, there's a little leak or something. There's a little Go-Gurt leak. Yeah. Go-Gurt leak in the Some Go-Gurt animals factory. got in there and uh, tried to sabotage it. Yeah, it's a you very so? it, it's hard out there for the yogurt world. Yeah, maybe maybe they also made pudding in that factory, uh, pudding Gogurt, and it got would, on the box. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you know, nowadays, you know, there's got to be more than one thing being made in a factory. Yeah, and these days, this economy, mm-hmm. in this economy, you got to have more than one thing in a factory, and that's on God. That one yep. point. I'm Chris. Period. I'm Chris Mealy. <laughs> I, uh, I'm William Doyle. I'm Nathan Combs. And this is Media Boys. We're the end all be all of media. That's yeah. it. 
Don't get your uh, media from anywhere else. The buck stops here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Top consumers right here. Always consuming. What what are we what are, what have we been up to, guys? What's up? Uh I'll start us off with that. Yeah. Okay, I'll say what's up. I'll be the one to say what's up. All right. I'll tell you what's up. You know what's up? What? New Sloppy Boys album. Okay. Mm-hmm. Paradiso by Sloppy Boys. I've been listening to that with my ears as one should. Okay. And it's really good. It's probably their best album. All right. Is it my favorite of theirs? Not yet. Maybe, maybe with more listens, but not my favorite. The first album is still my favorite, but it's probably their best album. Uh, like that songs name, like produced wise. D- uh, definitely. Yeah. Best instrumentals for sure. If, if you're looking to listen to this album or you want some songs to get into the Slobby boys, I recommend one last bender, which is my song of the summer. Okay. We're going to get you it's laid. A pretty fun song. Yeah. Armageddon. Oh yeah. College night. Go, go chow down on this album. You will not regret it. Okay. Now another album I listened to the other day, I, uh, I put on some uh, David Byrne as one would, okay? Oh, yeah? Uh, and because, so the movie we talked about, or we're, movie we're going to talk about is Lost Highway, okay? Spoiler alert for anyone that didn't read the title of the episode. In that movie, it begins with a David Bowie song uh, with uh, David Bowie and Brian Eno. So I kind of went down a, I wanted to get into Brian Eno. Brian Eno is oh. shit, man. I wanted to get into a Brian Eno hole. And of course, I would listen to David Byrne and Brian Eno's album, Everything That Happens Will Happen Today. Very good. Yeah. It, it's it's great because, you know, I, I love David Byrne already. Mm-hmm. Love the talking heads. And so that brought me to Brian Eno. So now I got to listen to more of his stuff. Are you going to go Brian. for more of like the like ambient stuff or the rock-oriented stuff? Uh, probably rock or more like rock. The ambient stuff is really great too. I'd recommend. I'm sure. Yeah. What about you, William? What have I been munching down on? Yeah, let's hear. Or, uh, I've been munching down on, uh, some No Man's Sky after, uh, you got me into it. (laughs) Oh, baby. Uh, I was, I just, uh, I was listening to, uh, the album, uh, earlier. Uh, that we're going to be talking about later, uh, Sufjan Stevens, mm-hmm. and uh, just playing No Man's Sky with just that playing. Whoa, that sounds like an that sounds like a. And trip. it was, I yeah, it was great. It was uh very uh very enjoyable. Damn, shit. No Man's Sky seems like the perfect game to like zone out and just listen just, to music and play. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Fuck. Um, that, that is a zone and explore game, and and you mentioned it, right? I I didn't mention it this time, but yes, yeah. I have been playing a lot of No Man's Sky. Also, um, uh, I'm also I wasn't excited about it uh, when it was announced and shown earlier, but the uh, Marvel's Avenger game mm-hmm. uh, when they showed it, like uh, what's it, E3 2019? I was like, all right, this looks kind of not good. It looks fine, but I probably wouldn't play it, but uh, they've been releasing more stuff about it, and uh, looks fun. It looks something right in my alley. Just messing with skill trees and numbers in a 
RPG. Looks fun. I'm gonna beat him up. And you might see it on a later episode. You never, you never, uh, you never know. And yeah, you get, to, uh-huh. you know, you get to be a Hulk. Okay, mm-hmm. who doesn't want to upgrade the Hulk? Okay. Also, right? my my gamer tag is Mark Ruffalo, so it Uh-oh. seems very fitting. You're gonna get an overload of friend requests now yeah, from right? all the fans. Wow, well, day one <laughs> playing the Avengers as Mark, Mark Ruffalo. That's, yeah, that's rad. And I'm Jeremy Renner. My <laughs> gamer tag is Jeremy Renner. So. <laughs> Hey. let's play together let's do yeah, it yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm sure you'll get more messages though i mean who doesn't love mark ruffalo uh-huh. <laughs> right i'll yeah. get the feel what i'll get the feel like what it's like to be uh jeremy renner not not great folks yeah not great and hawkeye's not going to be in the game at uh launch he's a <laughs> oh, dlc character coming later so in the game i should just be on the voice chat like this game sucks what's <laughs> <laughs> hawkeye getting here when is Hawkeye going to be added? That's when the game will be good. Um, I downloaded an app on my computer called Retro Achievements. It's lame, but you emulate games, and there's achievement sets for old games. And I've been playing so much Mario 64. It is uh, wild. Fun. It's so good. It's added, like, another... Because I played that game a lot, but it's added, like, a whole another layer to that game. Because, like, it's, like... Oh, get this star without ever jumping and stuff like that. And it's yeah, like, yeah, it's that's just, fun. It's a lot of fun. I've been enjoying it. Playing that and Pokemon Emerald because I never played any of the Pokemon games. Does that also have achievements? That also has achievements. Yeah, that's they fun. have uh, achievements for like Atari Twenty Six Hundred and like the newest console is the Nintendo DS. So uh, that's wild. Know, there's a lot I want to play. I've downloaded like stuff that I just that Fucking I own, WarioWare achievements. But, yeah, wouldn't that be rad? Like WarioWare. <laughs> yeah. And no, I'm I'm excited to go through them. But right now, Mario sixty four is my planned one hundred percent. That would give me a, a a new reason to go through Gex. Yeah, Gex three D. It has achievements. I was thinking about doing it. <laughs> I have I have it for the Nintendo sixty four. I used to play it as a kid. Are we yeah. gonna do a Gex episode? Oh, we should. Gex we could do awesome. a Gex episode. What what a game. Yeah, it really. I is. just um, I remember. Very little things about Gex when I played it as a child. But uh, it was like a, a Christmas-themed level. And Gex said, Christmas Town, I'm Jack Gexington from Hometown. And Man, that's a quality writing. That's just stuck in my head for the rest of my life, probably. So now it's there. You can have it for free. <laughs> Let's get into the uh, let's get into the movie, right? Yeah, watch it. Movie, what do we watch? Chris. What do we watch today, Chris? Okay, well, I watched today, it today. You watched it today. <laughs> I watched it two days ago. Yeah, doesn't matter yeah. when we watched it, Mm-mm. right? Just as long as we did watch it. And you know what? I watched it. I played the game that we we're going to talk about today, and I listened to the album <laughs> we're going to talk about. So I, you could say I did all three. I all also right. did all three. Oh, Me too. You did. Wait, what? Wait, hold wow. on a second. Who's paying us? <laughs> Who's paying us to beep? Twix. Blue Apron. Get in here and pay us to mm-hmm. watch All of movies. Our supporters on Patreon. Oh, yeah. Get the uh, uncensored version of last week's episode of the Burp. <laughs> Get that if you support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, rec- uh, I don't know. Give us money <laughs> for Patreon. Yes. Okay. We don't have a Patreon. No, we don't. Maybe one day. 
look, if you want to give us money because we watched, played, and listened, feel free. Just do it. But hey, this episode, we watched a little David Lynch classic called Lost Highway. It was my choice. That's why I'm introducing it. Real Lynch head. Uh, I'm a real Lynch head. You could say that. I'm a real freak for David. All right. The guy, his batting average is insane. Okay. <laughs> Just to go through it, he is a critically acclaimed uh, art house filmmaker. Okay. You could say he's an experimental filmmaker, but he's also known in the mainstream, right? And, right, uh, he doesn't make movies anymore, but we're still talking about him to this day. Okay. He just recently. 2017 came out with Twin Peaks to return. Probably, I would say, his magnum opus, one of his greatest, uh, if you want to call it a TV show or film, feel free. Do whatever. It's, it's both in one. So, wow. Cut to today. Now he's making a YouTube, he makes a YouTube video literally every day. The man. <laughs> what? Really? Yes. I didn't he, know that. Look at his YouTube channel. He makes weather reports every single day. That's really uh, cool. just regular weather. So what he does, he looks out his window and he says <laughs> what he sees. That's what he does. He's been doing it for months now, uh, every single day. Also, he releases uh, experimental short films that he makes and also videos about what he's been building uh, in his house. Uh, so it just there's a video where he just explains a sink that he's been building. That's pretty cool. And I, I, I want to build the sink. So David Lynch doesn't make movies anymore, but now he's a YouTuber. <laughs> uh, I'm probably the best YouTuber on the whole damn website. Go check out his channel. It's the only channel I'll recommend. Now that uh, Shane Dawson is gone. Yeah, what you have nothing. Yep, everyone's been canceled. Marbles. Yeah, everyone's gone. Everyone's They're canceled. all gone now. You got to go watch David Lynch. David Lynch. What, and that's what we did canceled? for this episode. We, we watched one of his longer YouTube videos. Uh, Lost Highway. <laughs> Universal. It was so good. Universal put it out in theaters. <laughs> Insane. Doesn't usually happen with YouTube videos. I like that. I think there's no such thing as a bad coincidence. I like to remember things my own way. Not necessarily the way they happened. Someone broke in and taped us while we slept. Okay, uh, on Twitter, just randomly, somebody posted the first page of the Lost Highway script that kind of explains what he was going for. Uh, David Lynch... Uh, June 21st, 1995, a 21st century noir horror film, a graphic investigation into parallel identity crisis, a world where time is dangerously out of control, a terrifying ride down the lost highway, right? So the plot of this movie, right? I don't think I got it. You don't think you got it? Okay, wait. (laughs) It can kind of be broken down into three parts, um, oh, you're going to go for three so, parts. Three parts. I would just say well, two. I mean, you can break down any film into three Real acts. Well, yeah, yeah, three acts. Right? I guess you could bust down those three acts. But basically, so the first 20 to 25 minutes are about Bill Pullman. He's a sax musician. 
Uh, clearly, I, I would describe him as almost, he's kind of Trent Reznor-like. He's very, he's like a kind of a moody guy. And he lives just in a suburban house on a street. You don't know where really, doesn't really say. Uh, and his wife, uh, played by Patricia Arquette, they start finding videotapes in front of their house of somebody film just filming their house. Um, and inside of their house and them and while they're yes. sleeping. Yeah. So it, it starts getting a little creepier and creepier. Like, what's happening here? Right. Yeah. And so the character, Bill Pullman's character, he's a, I would say he's very frustrated. He has a lot of demons, seemingly a haunted guy, right? No, not really satisfying his uh, lady in the bed, thinks she's cheating. We don't know for sure. But I'll say this. This is a David Lynch movie. So do you think you're going to get answers to any of these questions? Uh, it's no. no. <laughs> yeah, big no. The answer is no. Now, it's, it has a David Lynch staple, which is his house is very empty. Not a lot of... There's just like a lot of details are lacking. Can I, uh, but I think can I that, say something about that? Yeah, go ahead. And all of his pictures were just like on half of his house, like all the artwork. Oh, wow. Like, I don't now, know, something about the couch was like a breaking point where there's nothing else on the wall, and then all the pictures were piled up over the couch and the other walls. I think that's I'm like say that. what makes this like movie dreamlike almost, where like, Details are kind of iffy. Everything's just kind of like missy because it's a lot of like fade-ins, fades out from one point to another without really any connection. And I think like missing details is just part of like the dreamlike setting it's trying to build. So it is, it's a, yeah, it is a dream landscape. Yeah. All right. So things do not feel right ever. <laughs> like nothing feels regular uh nobody really acts normal usually dialogue has like large spaces in between the next dialogue Mm -hmm. um and we do not really have much context and we don't really have any backstory for the characters no uh things are happening (laughs) and then Uh, sort of they don't happen anymore (laughs) and sometimes and like so sometimes it's shot more stylistically the darkness is really uh, pretty much permeating the scream. It's 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 really taking over, mm-hmm. uh, and then um, sometimes it just it looks like a regular day. Uh, a lot of uh, I would say a lot of a lot of the lighting comes from windows. Um, very moody, very noirish. Nice. I'm gonna go ahead and just say that also, like about one eighth of this movie is just sex scenes. Yeah, this probably. movie is like really like sex heavy. I know you said that you watched it on TV for the first time, Chris, and I that must have been a completely <laughs> different movie. That is wild. Yeah, it was a, it was on IFC, yeah. so they uh, could say swear words, but you just yeah, you, it was all censored. Yeah, and it was like most of the screen was blurry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what? So what happens? Bill Pullman and Patricia Arquette are at a party, um, and. Bill Pullman goes to get a drink for his wife, who's with the guy that he thinks is cheating. She's cheating with. And he meets a man who's sort of have this pale face played by Robert Blake. We've met before, haven't we? 
I don't think so. Where was it you think we met? At your house, don't you remember? No, no, I don't. Are you sure? Of course. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now. Yeah, because that, that, that scene right there sets the tone for the whole movie. Yeah, so he, uh, he says that he's in his house. And it's one of the, one of the, the scariest scenes in the movie. Yeah, that's sure. very like horror. Crazy unsettling. Just like watching this guy doesn't blink at all and just it's very monotone. It, 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 Bill Pullman's like what really builds this. I think like his performance is like crazy, like perfectly fit for David Lynch. Just the right amount of awkward, but like it seems like he's outside of his body almost. Like very just like dead. A lot like, of squinting. A lot of squinting, yeah. What I would compare that to is another scene, another infamous scene from another David Lynch movie, uh, Mulholland Drive, where the Winkies diner scene, um, where basically it's very tense. You, they're talking about a dream. That's another David Lynch staple, talking about a dream. Mm-hmm. And it culminates with the character, with like a jump, basically a jump scare. Uh, um, I, won't, I guess if you haven't seen the movie, I won't say too much. Um, but that comparing this scene, which is another infamous horror scene from a Dave Lynch movie, it doesn't really have like a tense buildup. He's walking through a party. Everything seems just normal, I guess, um, for a party scene. And then he's basically just (laughs) this, this, this like demon basically walks into his life. (laughs) And from there, he's kind of a changed character. He, seems more evil than before like before he's kind of like wondering what the hell is happening right now um like for example the very the very beginning of the movie he's just confused you don't know what's happening he seems to be in stress he gets a message dick laurent is dead dick laurent is dead what the hell does that mean cut to this scene after the party, he basically kind of is almost like it almost seems like he's kind of possessed by the demon mm-hmm. because there's a scene where he walks into a dark hallway and then he walks out and it's like he's changed. Yeah. You just, you just get that feeling that he's changed. Um, he doesn't seem to know it for sure because they still get he gets that videotape um, and it, it's revealed. Oh, I that 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 didn't happen. That's not happening. A videotape that he murdered his wife, and it seems like he's entered, he's truly entered into a nightmare, if I had to say it. And then <laughs> he goes, he's in prison, and this is when we get to the next part of the movie where it Seeming completely almost, changes. Almost like yeah. a butterfly. <laughs> it's he emerges like we're watch- from the Bill Pullman shell. So the first time I watched the movie, I felt like I, okay, I got used to this part of the movie, and now we're in a different movie. It, it does feel like a completely different movie. It's really interesting. That's why like, I, I really liked about it. Because once again, it feels like a dream where like I've had plenty of dreams where like the plot of my dreams just completely changes in the middle of it. Some details stay, 
but it's something completely different. And I think different that just characters, had... different fucking exactly. Everything's different inside it's... his jail cell. He changes. Bill Pullman's no longer Bill Pullman. I don't know who he is, but he's some kid now. Yeah, he becomes like Balthasar Getty, and like Gary Busey is his dad, and he, they're like motorcyclists. <laughs> it's fucking weird, yeah. man. So he becomes basically a '90s greaser kid. Yeah. Um, and this '90 '90s greaser kid, he has these '90s greaser friends, and he has a girlfriend, and he seems to lead kind of like I. Th- another character I could compare him to is uh, the kid from Biff. terminator 2 <laughs> oh <laughs> that's what it kind of reminds me it's a very it's a very 90s look yeah uh, it's it's probably the coolest look uh, of all time <laughs> i'll say that oh yeah leather jacket Le- a lot of leather yeah you gotta love it slate hair yeah <laughs> love love the yeah. 90s look yeah and also 90s music there's a nine inch nails uh david yeah. bowie the music Smashing is Pumpkins. so like of its time. It's wonderful. Like it's it so is wonderful. wild. It is wonderful. So what happens here is we kind of step into a noir film. Uh, we, it's like we step into another dimension. And yes, it has a lot of the classic noir themes. Very much, very movie-like, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, same, similar pacing. You know, the movie has a similar pacing and tone throughout uh slower uh definitely darker uh tone than i i would say like the trailer mm-hmm. <laughs> Tra- seems to make it kind of makes it like what's the trailer like fast paced the trailer is very fast paced oh kind of like this movie whoa. was not it was whoa, very violence slow. violence and sex kind of like a uh um, <laughs> uh what's that movie uh, well yeah that was kind of the movie huh I mean, yeah, just really slow what? violence and sex. Very slow violence and sex. That <laughs> yeah. was the movie. Natural Born Thanks, Killers. Natural Born Killers. It was trying to promote it like another Natural Born Killers. Something like that. I think th- so. There's a connection between these two movies, um, Natural Born Killers and Lost Highway. Balthazar Getty in Natural Born Killers is a right. He works on cars. Mechanic That's his job. A mechanic. There you go. A mechanic. <laughs> In Natural Born Killers. Then in this movie, he's also a mechanic. What's going on there? Whoa. Just, wow. Typecasted. Whoa, we, we got a connection. <laughs> we got I a connection. I only get folks. hired as a mechanic. Hi, Ma- I'm Jason Alexander. <laughs> typecast as a mechanic. <laughs> you just have a very mechanic look about you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get this story. Very noir. Uh, he's... Balthazar Getty, he's friends with an older man named Mr. Eddie, who is a uh you like a crime boss. Like a yeah, like a fat Tony. From and Simpsons, what's funny so. so about that character, he is played so Robert Loja. Well, he's played by Robert Loja. Mm-hmm. Loja. Uh so really? Robert Loja was supposed to play Dennis Hopper's character in Blue Velvet. And what happened was, you know, Robert Lozier went to read for that character and David Lynch left him in the waiting room for, I guess, they forgot about him. Basically, oh. he was in there for hours. So what he did... So they had to give him this role. <laughs> he, he basically screamed at him and got, like, pissed off. And David Lynch... Um, took that and said you can yeah we, we have a role for you for this movie so that that was kind of like his 
casting for Lost Highway uh, years in advance in yeah. the 80s. That sucks. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no, that must be ass. But yeah, like but... his character in this movie, I I love it. It's so like mafia. Mob he's the best boss. part of this movie. Yeah, he really is. Like the there's a whole bit where he's getting chased down, like he's getting uh, tailgated. It's tailgated. And it's obviously David Lynch. Lynch wrote this section of the movie just because he was so angry at tailgaters that he just wanted some kind of like catharsis because he beats the shit out of the tailgater <laughs> and it's so good. And he just goes over like motor highway facts. Like, don't you know, 50,000 people die a year on the highway <laughs> just go going off on it. Yeah. It's so good. I think that was the best scene in the movie. Yeah, I think so too. Really love that scene. So yeah, Mr. Eddie is revealed to be, a, you know, typical tip in a typical crime boss fashion, he has a lot of ladies around him, and one of the ladies happens to be Patricia Arquette. So <gasps> she kind of becomes a yeah, she becomes the femme fatale of this movie for Balthazar Getty. That's a very, very you know common noir theme. You know, yeah. in the noir movie, you got to have your femme fatale. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get together, and of course that leads to Mister Eddie threatening his life and that's what leads us to leads to the mystery man coming back uh the one from things, the earlier at the bar yes from the, the mystery man from earlier from the party so this kind of fantasy situation starts to deteriorate and things start to go back to bill pullman's reality <laughs> um and eventually balthazar getty becomes bill pullman um, so it's like, we already, we, we kind of moved to a different dimension and then the dimensions eventually collide together. Yeah. It's kind of like the Mobius strip theory where like, you know, times kind of coalesce with each other. They mesh together different timelines and dimensions. It, it's, it's interesting. It's really just like a wild trip watching all of this like merge together. Now, uh, I have read that David Lynch was inspired by like O.J. Simpson, the O.J. Simpson case. Really? When kind of writing this movie. And I could see an interpretation of this film as sort of the, like a demon, demon, the demons haunting someone that would get them to just murder. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, do this inhumane act just this evil, evil act that someone in their right mind would not commit. You heard it here first. Um, David Lynch thinks O.J. Simpson didn't do it. He's off the Big hook. news. <laughs> if, if David says so, then I believe it. No, but uh, the, did the character really do it or not? I think, I mean, I guess he did, right? <laughs> I don't, I couldn't, I don't feel like it's concretely there. I don't, I think you're not, like, I don't know. It leaves it open to so, your own interpretation. Yeah. I don't think David Lynch wanted to make a murder mystery movie because he already, he pretty much already did that with Twin Peaks. Yeah. And he didn't want to make a thing where it's like the whole time you're wondering, oh, did he actually kill her or not? So that's never really, like, that's never in the main text of the film. That's kind of just something that happens, right? Um, but it's never, you're never wondering who actually did it. You know, did he actually kill her or not? Wow. 
Thanks for going over the entire movie, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like really. Now I don't good. need to watch it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't though. I didn't. You I didn't get into the ending. Did. There's so much stuff I left out because this is it's 15 minutes of movie that you didn't cover. Yeah, you know, I didn't we, wanna... you know we hit the 40 minute mark like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I didn't want to like go into like like oh interpreting what does this all mean because you, you I didn't think want to go that, into too much detail. I think this movie. is a movie that you have to experience for sure. Like I yeah, I, I mean that's every David Lynch movie, and I don't mean to like put him too on a pedestal too much, but he is as an, a a mainstream. American filmmaker, there's not many like him. There, right? No, there, there isn't. No. A, there, there isn't much like him. Um, no, so you, you kind of have to celebrate him because he made movies that were put out into the mainstream and seen by audiences all over. They're fucking weird. I mean, yeah, they're, and they're, they're bizarre. Different. They're you bizarre. Got, you got to celebrate. I, me, definitely, I mean, I'm a huge. They fan. are art. They are. They're uh. I've 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 watched enough of David Lynch to this time finally realize I just don't like David Lynch. Understandable. I, it's, it's, un, it it's is not understandable. for me. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, like I want to. Yeah. I want to like it. I just don't. Um, this does lead me to a funny, uh, fun little story that I have about when I was working at Universal as a wand keeper's assistant. So there's a show at Universal where you know the Harry Potter wands you, kid gets chosen. Uh, we did a show. We unloaded it. Closed the door. And uh, the wand keeper says to me, uh, she goes, do you like David Lynch? <laughs> and I just didn't know how to respond. I waited a second. And she goes, because you look like you would like David Lynch. I'm oh, like, wow. okay. And she gave me like a few movies to go and watch. She's like, come come back and uh, tell me what you think. And I was like, okay. And I just didn't. You never watched him. Yeah. <laughs> never watched him. I don't want to, I don't want, I didn't want to like sit here and be like, what does this, you know, what does this mean picking at it? Because I think that would take away from the film overall. I mean, you can talk about it in broad terms. I hate, see, as much as I love David Lynch, whenever I talk about him, I feel like I fall into surface level (laughs) discussion of what, what, what it means or like what happens. But I think you true enough fan to talk about David Lynch with you. (laughs) (laughs) You are the David Lynch fan. No, 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 no. But because I think you have to discuss what happens in the film. The the meaning behind it is what's like you 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 have to at least go over what happens because then that helps you interpret it better, right? Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. you got to pick it apart. Because I mean, it's definitely like a movie you would have to rewatch and look over multiple times to really make it like truly click. Um, but this first time I watched it is definitely like a good mood piece. Like it was definitely like sit back and take it all in. I think that's what I got out of it. Um, yeah, and that's I. You know, you say that with any movie is that the first time you watch it, you shouldn't be thinking about it as much. Yeah, you should be taking it in. I, that is like absolutely. That's it's you know it's that's fits pretty well with David Lynch. I mean, anytime you watch any of his movies, you can really do that. Yeah. Uh, but like, as much as fun as it is in your own head to try and interpret what it all means. Uh, I think at, when you're like discussing it, it can kind of take away from. Well, especially if like we're discussing it and like interpreting it and like people listening have never watched it before. I'd rather them go out and experience it and have their own thoughts behind it while they watch it. My interpretation of the mystery man is that he's a vampire. And he looks like okay. one. 
like straight yeah. just like white face well actually like i was at your home because you invited me bleh yeah. oh yeah <laughs> i i can kind of see it as like well the mr man's he's kind of like a demon mm. uh david lynch <laughs> likes demons and he likes you heard evil, it here first. evil incarnate uh twin peaks big time big time big time, big time demons a lot of demons in that bad boy uh in this and i think he's recently he's said that the lost highway kind of takes place in the twin peaks universe i can mm. see that very like have i i like from what i know about twin peaks it has a similar feel in a way so the mystery man is a demon bill pullman is oj simpson <laughs> <laughs> and patricia arquette last star is a mechanic is an academy award-winning actress for boyhood I think Way that's go, what Patricia. I from this film. Let's give it up for Patricia. Oh, we got it. We got a Media Boys clap. Yeah. Media yeah. Boys clap. Whoop. We got the clap. Yep. We Media all have Boys. the clap. <laughs> that, that's never happened. All three of us getting the clap at once. <laughs> is it, what is this? A, a senior or. Hello? Can you hear me? No, it cut out. No, you cut out. What a fucking awkward. Did you even hear the punchline of what I was saying? No. You said, what is this? A senior boop? Senior home. My internet. Okay, I just got a message. My internet connection is unstable. I'm not going to repeat what I was said. I think the recording might have gone it. We lost Nathan now. Wait, are we losing me? No. You're frozen on my screen. You're frozen. I am? Yeah. You guys are frozen. Okay. So it must have been me, huh? Maybe? I don't know. But why don't we go into our final thoughts, fellas? Final thoughts? Yeah. Um, I'll start. All right. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I took. I, I didn't get a lot out of it. I wasn't trying to interpret it too much. I sat back and just took it in. Definitely felt dreamlike to me. I was really surprised because it's the most accurate representation of dreamlike nature in a movie. And I was really excited to experience that. And I'll definitely be going back to this. I think it's my favorite Lynch film, for sure. It's just wild, wacky all over the place. And that scene where he beats the crap out of, um, out of the tailgater is just masterpiece cinema. So that's what it's all about. Should I go? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I didn't like listening to it. I didn't <laughs> like uh, watching it. Uh, I don't think I liked it. I don't know. I already said this earlier. Yeah, it's, it's not for me. It's too um. I guess yet it's structuralist. Too, yeah, it's it's like it's everywhere, but also nowhere. There's no meaning. Yeah, there's anything that, that happens. Yeah, there's, I, it's it's uh very open to your own interpretation of it, and uh, like I guess like the I don't know. Uh, it's uh, too artsy. <laughs> too, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Then that's okay. I already said okay. that. I don't think David Lynch is for me, though. But I'm sure if you like David Lynch, it's like the other stuff I've seen of his. Yeah. Similar. So, I, I'll go. You know, I, I love David Lynch. Um, first time I watched Lost Highway, I didn't like it as much as his other films um and i was i was kind of disappointed by that because i read how much people loved it 
Um, but rewatching it, I definitely, I definitely liked it a lot more than the first time. Uh, it, I think what threw me off a little is that it has probably the most consistent tone of like any of his movies. A lot of times his film, his films kind of move rapidly from comedy to horror to like sex thriller. Um, they kind of move all over the place. This time I'd say it is much throughout a dreamlike sex thriller slash horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it kind of jumped from main character to main character also threw me off the first time I watched it. But this time around, I think it made a lot more sense. Yeah. And definitely fit a lot better because I don't know if I would, Bill, I don't know about a full movie about Bill Pullman's character. You know, you don't really want to follow a wife killer for a whole movie. Potential, um, potential wife killer. Put, yeah. Okay. You, you think? I guess you say you think he didn't do it. I, uh, but the way it, the way it kind of jumps from uh, haunted murderer to, I guess, confused teenager is interesting i i uh just like any david lynch movie i've seen i want to watch it again <laughs> like right when it ends mm-hmm. i i do feel like um, on a second rewatch like some of the some of the more subtle similarities between bill pullman and the teenager greaser are uh more noticeable if there are any i could see that um i think, I think there's subtle connections there yeah like, like i think they're both those. bad at jazz Hold, wow. hold on a wow, moment. Wow. Bill Pullman's playing was rad as fuck. I, I thought it was badass. <laughs> He's just going it's, hard on that saxophone, man. Like I said, it is the coolest, uh, coolest uh, <laughs> a movie of the 90s, for sure. <laughs> I, I, love, I love, I love, I love the the music and all the leather and all the black clothing. It's wonderful. <laughs> uh, it wasn't for me. <laughs> it's wonderful. It, it just, it's like, I, I felt how a lot of people feel watching the matrix. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's so cool. It's so uh, cool. Uh, oh, this, and that's, another oh, that's thing. awesome. I was thrown off the first time I watched <laughs> it by the score. A lot of the, like the soundtrack, uh, Marilyn Manson, nine inch nails, smash pumpkins. That's not typical David Lynch. Uh, like score, no. But I, it it it's great. It's great. I'm on rewatch. You know that I got. I you know since the first time I watched it, I've gotten a lot more into Nine Inch Nails and Smashing Pumpkins. So it it worked a lot better for me. I thought Gary Busey was good in it. Oh, I love well Gary Busey as the dad thing, right? <laughs> Look, Gary said, Busey like, four lights or something. Yeah, Gary Busey cameos are are wonderful. Uh, yeah, because he has a. He has a cameo in The Firm, which I watched recently, as a coked-up lawyer. Nope, yeah. <laughs> or no, he's a pri- yeah. not a lawyer. He's a private investigator. Even better. Wonderful. I saw, his, I saw his name in the opening credits. I was like, oh, Gary Busey's in this. And then I forgot, and then he showed up. I was like, oh, shit. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so recognizable. Like, yeah. his hair is fucking, yeah. Just everything. It's so, uh, yeah, it's so wild. Well, I guess we should move to the next thing. Let's yeah. go to play. What have we been playing? Oh, we played uh, Carry On. Uh, a new game came out. 
published by Devolver Digital. Uh, it's a. Uh, do you want me to go over every uh, scene in this too, or? Uh, <laughs> okay, come on. Come, just say, just say what the damn game is. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's like a Metroidvania, but uh, more level based. Uh, it's a reverse horror game, is how it's said. You play as a monster, and the goal is to escape a lab, and then you kind of learn about the monster's past, and uh, at the end you escape, and it's fun. There's different uh, abilities you get to unlock different areas, like a Metroidvania type game. Uh, there's no map in this one because it's very uh it's a lot more linear than those types of games are but uh it's fun uh you eat people to gain more biomass and the larger you are in the game you have different abilities to solve different puzzles and uh i thought it was very enjoyable even though you are a monster and you do feel powerful you never feel like you're too powerful in the game, which is nice. I like how they balanced it. Yeah, no, uh, um, I, I can appreciate that too, especially being the bad guy. Because like looking at gameplay footage, you basically play the blob. Uh, you go around and just kind of yes. eat things up. Uh, seems like you'd be overpowered, but it has a nice balance. It's not very yeah. hard. It's not hard, but it's not like super easy. Like I died sometimes. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, it's, the thing is you are very powerful, but you also die very quick. Yes. So if you don't do it in a way that looks like you're just destroying everything, mm -hmm. you're probably going to die. Yeah. And let me tell you how much I appreciate this Metroidvania not being very confusing at all. Because I feel like what holds me back is I really like games like that if it's smaller scale. And it's exactly what this is. It's a small scale Metroidvania. It feels right. You can complete it really fast. Um, I didn't beat it, but I know I'm very close because it seems like a very short game. Yeah, it's pretty short. Yeah, it's very it's very smart level design. Uh, when you're not really backtracking because you don't know where you are, but you do backtrack on purpose. Like you will go to yes. the room next to you because you need to release biomass. Because when you're a certain size, you have a certain power. So one room will maybe you'll have to use like the medium-sized power uh, to get through to the next part. So it is kind of kind of like a puzzle game in that sense. Yeah. Uh, you're presented with puzzles, and you never it's never too difficult. No. Um, your character is a red tentacle monster with gaping mouths uh, and just tentacles flying everywhere. You're kind of like, uh, like the Venom symbiote, mm -hmm. uh, if it's like Carnage. Um, and for a monster that gets bigger throughout the game, you never really feel too big. Like no. you feel, yeah, you kind of like float across the screen. Which yeah, the I movement appreciate. is very smooth. Yeah, the I love that movement. Very so smooth good. movement. You basically can just fly into a room and just like 
your tentacles just start grabbing humans and flinging them around. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to play, like, I, don't, I haven't really played a game like that before. <laughs> Yeah, I feel uh, like it could have been overly complicated with how many like tentacles you have and stuff, but yeah. it doesn't feel like it. It feels like the game does a good job of like yeah. the way it looks and easy. feels. It it's perfect. It feels yeah. like you're uh you're flying. It's like almost flying like uh if Mario when Mario jumps into like one of those clouds, like a Lakitu cloud. Yeah, that's how it feels like to control. Mm-hmm. I guess I can see that. Yeah, and and um like a. Uh classic castlevania game or not castlevania metroidvania it's very horror themed the the uh very atmospheric um violent and gory oh uh just the way it feels and like there's a lot of little details of like uh when you uh i don't know it's like move through the environment and like your tentacles kind of like destroy things that it passes yeah or like you can like uh break the lights in the area it's fun it's a game that presents everything without any dialogue. There, it doesn't really tell yeah. you what you're supposed to do, but you know, and that's yeah. really smart level design. There, yeah, that's how like you know a, like game designers are doing like a good job. Is that instinctually yeah. they know what you're gonna do? Like yeah. I, I, I've I completed the game, and by the end, like I was thinking about the ending of the game, and I was like, oh well, that's a really uneventful ending. But then again the game doesn't really have any any story yeah, yeah. so uh I, you know i kind of set myself up for to feel that way because it's not like the game was going to have some like big explosive ending yeah where you learn something and you're like oh my god but cuz that's just the whole game it doesn't really have a story yeah um and I, i'd probably p- uh, ping the game on that a little just when, by the end, you're like, okay, you know, you got through the whole thing. <laughs> There's like uh, some flashback sections where you play as like a human, mm-hmm. and uh, that's like all the story you get. Yeah, yeah, the story's very, yeah, just. Uh, but that, like again, that's not really what this game is about. I don't think. I, no, I think story like wasn't like really like it's big. Like, oh, we have a really strong story. It's more about just like fun gameplay mechanics working yeah. together it just has a it has a good like blueprint of like exactly what it needs to be yeah it feels cohesive like just feels it's like the perfect length if i played like if it was longer i'd probably be like all right kind of getting sick of this yeah but um and it's on game pass so it was free with just description um worth it yeah enjoyable enjoyable game yeah, it's a premise that they could probably make like another game out of, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like uh, more power ups, uh, similar to like Super Hot that we talked about last episode. Um, a game where it's more the Annie. Yeah, ups the Annie. It's more difficult. There's more enemies to fight. Uh, in this game, the certain enemies that you have are gunner guys who have shields. You have flamethrower guys. You got this, like, yeah, you have this like moving turret guy and you have these floating balls that shoot at you. Yeah. Um and you can take them down for sure. Like they they're not like super easy, but you you know, they still present enough of a challenge. Yeah. Where I got killed multiple times. Yeah, and then there's a uh, Yeah, you have to like think about what you're going to do before you approach a situation, I guess. Mm-hmm. If there's like a uh, mechs in there, 
you're like, okay, I'm going to take, you can take control of different people in the area. So like you can take control of like a guy with a gun and start shooting at people. But uh, it's fun. It's, it's a uh, very light puzzles. Very, uh, very quick game. Very easygoing experience in yeah. a way. Uh, final thoughts. I really liked it. I liked the length of it. Uh, perfect length. I don't have a lot of time to play like huge open world games. And uh, I thought that this was a nice little little game and a fun package. Oh, um, yeah, this game. This game is. Uh, it's it's nice and short. Uh, presents a decent challenge. Um, I I do trust Devolver when it comes to like quick paced violent games those tend to be their like bread and butter uh hotline miami absolutely fantastic uh and i think carry on the gungeon go check it out um if you like horror especially uh check it out it's it's worth playing and i i liked it a lot i liked it a lot there's not a lot of games like like it i guess yeah at first i at first i had a feeling that i wasn't gonna like it as much because i thought maybe it wasn't gonna present you know, as you go along, it, the ideas that it presents get kind of repetitive. That's what I thought was going to happen, and I thought I was going to be annoyed by the lack of the map. But you don't need a map, and the power-ups that you get throughout the game are cool. They yeah. add a new layer to the game as you go along. Like, possessing people, uh, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that I agree. I think it's just nice and simple is what I like about it. Um, very easy to sit back. Like like you hit upon, I don't have enough time to sit here and play giant open world games constantly. So it's nice to play a very like quick, fast-paced 2D yeah. platformer. It, it works very well. Yeah, and it doesn't feel too linear. Like no. some games, you know, you, you'll criticize them too linear, like, like something like Matt Hazard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Not to bring up past, not to bring up past failures, right? But well, well, the thing was, this wasn't eight hours of it. Yeah, yeah, it's not like hammering you with the same thing over and over again. And this actually felt good to play. So <laughs> it's yeah, every situation you can take in a different way. Like you can be sneaky and slowly take off, you know, take guys one by one, or you can just you know go right in and just start whipping people around. I mean, it's really up to you how you want to play the game. Listen, let's move listen. on to the album. Let's listen. Oh, what we're, we're, we're yeah, we listen to music, right? Let's Ooh, let's go wild. from carry on to carry, okay? Yeah, and there we go. Lowell. And Lowell. Yeah, so uh, we listen to Carry and Lowell, which is the ninth album from Sufjan Stevens. Um, it's it came after. Um, he he's, he had very strong folk roots, and he went very electronic, operatic, and then um, after the death of his mother, he kind of uh, he he wrote a lot of folk, returning to his roots music, um, just musings on memories and life and uh, feelings after death of a loved one. Um, very universal album. It's it's interesting how emotionally connected you can be to Sufjan and the death of someone close to his family, even though you've never experienced something like that. You can feel his pain in the lyrics, um, but it's not only really dark in those thoughts, it's very uplifting in ways. Uh, it goes a lot of places, but it's a very interesting, lovely album. I've listened to it 
a billion times because I can't get enough of it. There are certain songs on there, like um, Fourth of July, I always go back to. Um, there's also a live album that's better than this, which is really good. Well, yeah. Is it faster? Yeah, Usually it's faster. Live albums are faster paced. Yeah, it's faster. He added more electronic sections to it. Uh, a lot more instrumentals in there, and the instrumentals gotcha. are really good. Yeah. I'd, I'd highly recommend the live album. Um, right. And there's something really interesting hearing these kind of lyrics come out of someone's mouth live and in person rather than rehearsed in a studio. Like these are like his thoughts and feelings, and it's right there on the album, just like he's saying it. And if there's a personal album, this is probably one of the most personal albums I've listened to. Um, How did you guys feel about it? I uh, I thought it was very good. I uh, I kind of like a like I said earlier, I was just listening to it with, mm-hmm. I was playing uh, No Man's Sky with no sound effects, listening to the song. I kind of like lost myself in it. Yeah. And the music and the, very nice, very calming. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's good. Um, It's a good album just to have on. Like yeah. you can just like have it on, like just sitting around the house. I feel like it's very nice and yeah. calming. Yeah, get nice to relax a little. Get nice and depressed. Yeah, you clean your well. You fold your clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Well, I so I don't know how you could do something while listening to this album because for me this is like a lying in bed album, and not necessarily lying in bed like sad or like you know self-loathing, but more like uh, it is it is serene. You know, I it is kind of like. It, uh, you know haunted stripped down from his previous work mm-hmm. but i you know lying in bed focusing on the lyrics uh and focusing and you know letting that sound kind of uh envelop you into this almost <laughs> like safian almost like is an angelic musician right yeah. like singer i um, can completely agree with that yes very like a light you know, voice um and listening to soothing, like him soothing yeah, voice he's like almost, you know and this album he's almost he's like cleansing himself that, i mean he said that when he went to make this album he made it to do that but it said it didn't work apparently <laughs> he said on previous albums they've helped him cope just with life in general yeah. and and you know and he he makes music to do that and it worked previously but this time around it stuck with him more um and i guess to the themes of this album um his mother who passed away you know and inspired this album she was not a very good person and did not no. treat him very well yeah and you but hear he still loves her yeah i think right? that's he what's, still loves her that's what's so interesting about this album like lyrically it's about like caring for someone's death that didn't really care that much for you because like uh, lyrics come up about abandonment um just many moments where his mom mistreated her but he still like sends these loving odes to her um it's it's kind of painful but i find emotions like that aren't talked about a lot and that's what keeps this album really interesting it's emotions that not a lot of people talk about yeah so he's talking about his mother who uh i guess what I, she had schizophrenia mm-hmm. she had bipolar disorder um, and just was not fit to really be a parent. Um, but still, you know, she's still his mother. And he knew she was dying. Yeah. Um, but he didn't really do anything. Like, he didn't visit her 
or call her, you know, or write her a letter. And that's uh, what probably my favorite song in the whole album uh, focuses on. Should have known better. Yeah. Yeah. That song kills me where he talks about, he should have wrote a letter. Um, and that's, that's the song where he really goes into like being left at the video store and stuff like that. Um, and that's the second song in the album. So you kind of, it's like uh, that and death with dignity, just like our hitter of like, this is, this is what this album's about. Yeah. And, and this album is called Carrie and Lowell. Lowell was Carrie's uh, husband. Mm-hmm. Which fun fact. Suffian was young. This year he, he released an album with Lowell. Yes, I saw yeah. that. Lowell, so Lowell, yeah. well, Lowell runs the uh, Asthmatic the Kitty. Asthmatic Kitty, where he recorded Carrie and Lowell. Yeah. Uh, which I guess he recorded this album in a few different places. Some of the songs are actually recorded on his iPhone. Yeah. Um, which, if you listen to some of the like like sounds in the back, like, they kind of sound like almost like the AC running. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not like that. It, that completely adds to the atmosphere for sure it adds to the music but you like listening to the album you can't really even tell right um that no, it's like more <laughs> it's recorded on no. a phone no not at all it's just produced so well yeah and i feel like that's what makes it feel like a more organic experience yeah it's probably one of the better produced folk albums i've listened to uh just a lot of just Everything's mixed very well, um, especially like I just learned this from you that songs were recorded on an iPhone. I never knew that. Yeah, um, that doesn't sound like it. No, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I guess that just speaks to him as a musician. Yeah, um, that you can pull something like that off, and no one, you know, you're none the wiser because you, once again, like you are so you know taken over by this sound that you don't even notice. Exactly, and I feel like as an album. It's one of the best flowing albums I've listened to um, as far as like from getting to one song to another. The theme of the album is very strong. Every song has that similar feel, but you know, they don't sound exactly the same. It's very like a strong album. Like there's a concept there and he knew what he wanted. The songs are in this album for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of cut songs. Um, his new album that's coming out later this year, the first single was a song that got cut from this album. Oh. Huh? Yeah. When was this album good. released? Uh, 2015. 2015. Yeah, 2015. And it's his last studio album, just him solo, um, until this year. So that's exciting. Yeah, like, there's nothing on this album that feels out of place. No. There's no hit single. <laughs> No. Okay. There's I no, think the yeah. top single was "In the Shade of the Shadow of the Cross," uh, which is not a single at all. Uh, it doesn't feel <laughs> like it. So, hey, you gotta release one, right? Yeah, you right? gotta. Yeah, yeah. But it fans of Suffian Stevens, uh, it's hit. You know, I from what I've read, we're not disappointed. Uh, this was seen by a lot of critics as like the best album of 2015 when it came out. Yeah. Uh, and it's I remember first time when it came out. I, okay. Yeah. See, that's just um, Sean Stevens at all. Really? Yeah. First time. First time. This is a good entry point. Uh, at least I think so. Cause it's more of his stripped back folk sound. And yeah. next the, his most popular album, Illinois, which you should listen to is more of an upbeat, 
in times, but more of a, like operatic is what I would say. A lot more horns, a lot of trumpets. It sounds like gotcha. a movie soundtrack almost. It, oh, yes, the, his the, sound, the sound is more, you know, there's more variety to his sound. Yeah. In, in that album. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember when this album came out, Carrie and Lowell, I was actually... I was like, what's all the hubbub about this album? I didn't know yeah. Suffering Stevens that much, that well at the yeah. time. Uh, I was on my way to school <laughs> and I put it on. <laughs> I listened oh, to a boy. song or two. I'm like, this is depressing me. <laughs> I, this is not a driving album. I was stuck in traffic. Oh. This is not for that. Yeah, not no, listening to this in the car. This is the album that converted me because I listened to Illinois. Like I had it like downloaded and everything. I couldn't get into it. Wasn't feeling it. And then I heard this album and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. This is so good. Like it just felt, I just love the emotions of it. And then I went back and then now I'm, a, I'm a really big Sufjan fan. Um, especially his soundtrack for, uh, where his songs on Call Me By Your Name. It's up there. Like one of the best things. That's right. Yeah. Academy Award nominated music. Yeah. Wonderful. Really wonderful. Incredible. So, yeah. It is incredible. It's Mr. He's Mr. Incredible, you could say. Oh, yes. Mr. Uh, Sufjan Stevens. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a Mr. Incredible line. I can only think of... Uh, Where's my super suit? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Freeze. Mr. Incredible. I don't know. We're the Incredibles! <laughs> I I always whenever I think about the Incredibles, I think about the scene where, where he's cheating on his wife. No, the no. scene where he throws his boss through the the cubicles. Yeah, and he's going. Yeah, that, that's what I think about. I think of um the scene where they're at the t- dinner table and they're like, "It is leftover night. What are you hungry for?" The the mom. We got meatloaf. Well, it is leftover night. We have steak, pasta. What are you hungry for? Yep. <laughs> I just left think overnight. <laughs> with the the Incredibles, the boss scene, uh, his the boss uh, is Wallace Shawn. You know, <laughs> what a king! King Wallace Shawn, truly Wallace. the king of voice acting. I think honestly, as a kid, he like Wallace Shawn was so recognizable his voice and look. Yeah, because you knew him as like a kid. T-Rex. Yeah, as a kid, he stood out to me. Yeah, and that's when I sort of learned like. Oh, actors. They were thing. Oh. Your customers make me unhappy. What? You've gotten complaints? Complaints I can handle. What I can't handle is your customers' inexplicable knowledge of InsuraCare's inner workings. They're experts. Experts, Bob! Exploiting every loophole, dodging every obstacle. They're penetrating the bureaucracy! Yeah. He was definitely one of those early uh, actors where I started noticing people in different movies. I started putting the dots together a little bit yeah um i also remember when i realized movies can be bad uh and that was paul blart mall cop <laughs> paul blart mall cop. really that was a little late man i remember yeah. for me it was okay that. look shut <laughs> no it wasn't late it wasn't late, <laughs> late i was bloomer. probably i was like 12 <laughs> or okay. something uh I right think the, I, I think the movie well uh, you know what I think it was the same year that I realized the movie could be truly horrible. And that was year one. Year one, I was really excited for it. And I saw it. <laughs> and it was just one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Well, it's well, okay, so, so funny. 
maybe Paul Blart wasn't where I was like, oh, movies can be really awful. And like, you know, I fully realized that. But I think that was like where I realized like the Happy Madison group and like the comedy I loved maybe was not as good as I thought. Because <laughs> I remember we, we all hit that point. I remember I have a very distinct memory of knocking over a big bucket of popcorn, watching Paul Blart and just having a <laughs> shitty time. Ooh. And like everyone's laughing, <laughs> and I'm just like sitting there, stone faced. Like, what is this? What is this? What's going on? Uh, what's the first movie you've walked out of? Uh, I so I've never really walked out of a movie on purpose, like because oh. I hated it so much. I'll sit through anything. But as a kid, my mom took me to see Johnny English, the Mr. Bean film, <laughs> <laughs> and I think we walked out before it ended. And like she wanted her money back. <laughs> oh my god! I, I think the movie, the first movie I walked out of was Tintin, and it wasn't even yeah. that awful. I was just kind of bored, and I was like, oh, I, walked, I could go. I walked out of Pacific Rim. <laughs> oh, Pacific Rim was so awful. I couldn't stand it. But uh, like, I was like, ah, they're making me care about these characters when I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. they're gonna kiss. I remember I walked out of the scene when like. That that was the end of the movie, wasn't it? No. No. When they're about to kiss. I couldn't breathe. (laughs) And they don't. Oh no! I I don't know. I didn't see I didn't see the end of the movie. Yeah. But I also walked out of Battleship, but I don't know what I was expecting from that movie anyway. You weren't. Well, you didn't walk out of Greyhounds. I did not walk out of Greyhound. It's the better Battleship movie. You would have had to walk out of your damn house. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not allowed but, uh, right now. Another another <laughs> one was probably Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, you didn't like that? No, it was my mom once again. Uh, <laughs> my mom yeah. took us to see it because I was too young to like, you know, sing with my family. Gotcha. And I think I think like they become couches. They do in one scene, and I think that's where it knocked it over the edge. <laughs> like, All right, All right. I'm out of here. All right, I'm out of here. Money back, please. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, Suffy and Stevens. Yeah, <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen thought. it after that? Have you seen Hitchhiker's Guide after that? Hitchhiker's Guide, yes, sort of. It's good. It's like, I feel like it's a good adaptation of the book. Uh, I, I like the book a lot more. I don't, like, I don't think the movie is as representational of it i don't know I, I the book is so the humor is so distinct that i think the movie kind of fudges it a little from what i've, I've never done either wow. oh okay well final right. thoughts for <laughs> the scary and low i liked it i liked it a lot it was a uh, very uh it just it sounded very nice mm-hmm singing the guitar <laughs> it was very nice i lost myself in it that's good and you you lost yourself in thoughts your final thoughts that and you it. know what uh i also i like this album a lot i like Sophie and stevens in general always looking forward to what he's putting out next um and i this album put me in a very i would say thoughtful mood mm-hmm. right uh you think about his story Um, Because this album is very autobiographical. Um, And it puts you in a kind of serene mood, but not like serene in the sense of like, 
you know, I guess that serene's probably not the right term because if, if you're suggesting serene, maybe you're happy. Yeah. Uh, is not really a happy album, but it's not like gonna depress you so much that you want to die. No, um, it just puts you in kind of like a a bit of a hypnotic state. It, it is, it's very good. Yeah, um, it's just one of my favorite albums. All I've enjoyed it since I've listened to it. Um, just very emotional. I just think it hits a lot of like notes that I like in music, and that's pretty much lyrical content that is very autobiographical explaining how the artist feeling is feeling and what they're going through um just very emotional i can really just sit and like you guys say it's it's hypnotizing it's easy just to sit back and take in the yeah. whole album it's only 40 minutes long which really isn't bad you just pop it on and go right through it right and he he never really finds his like uh answers to his problems or yeah. you know struggle uh, which helps you to kind of wade in that feeling, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of makes it more of a lasting album. Like, when are you going to want to kind of revisit if you feel like <laughs> wading into that pool? Yeah, if you're ever in the mood. Yeah, because it just, that's the way it is. Sometimes you get in that mood and it hits you that right like, notes. You ever feel like lying in bed and feeling a bit sad? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Sufi. Put this on. Put this on. It's well, folks. Up. If you ever feel like listening to boys talk about media, put this on, this podcast. Or email us at mediaboyspod at gmail.com. Yeah, we've already that. got a few recommendations, and we'd love to get some more. We'd love get some more recommendation al- uh, episode. See what you yeah, guys like. Love it. And or if you want to hear us bash it. Made. Ooh, what made. made. Yeah. We do a fan episode. I'd talk love about to your listen, media. To, listen to your content. Watch we can do a How Did This Get Made? Let's do a How Does Get Made about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About you, the listener. So what did you think was the best media? Uh, it's a hard. Ask it's kind of a hard it's, one. It's hard because um, I really like Lost Highway a lot. But I think uh, for me, it's going to be Carrie and Lowell just because it's just one of my favorite albums. And I've just experienced it so much. So I'll I'd go, go with Carrie, Carrie and Lowell. Lowell. Yeah. I, you know, I'll say Carrie and Lowell. I yeah. don't know about, like, I don't, I'm not going to say, like, this week, I'm not going to say best, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say, like, this one's better than this one. It's, impo- it's, it's impossible. Yeah, We're well, talking that's about the point, right? Go- it's supposed to be uh, Yeah, I, I get that. That's the point. And like, it's stupid. It's dumb. And it's like you it's, can't really <laughs> compare these. No, it's It so makes hard. no sense. It's incomprehensible. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> Carrie factors. and, like, how are you supposed to compare that to, like, this? You know what I mean? It's, it's wild. But, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just say Carrie and Lowell. Uh, I think Lost Highway, I love David Lynch. Lost Highway is not my favorite of his. I'm just going off of that factor. But I think it's still great, you know? It's a, it's another masterpiece by the the master man. The man himself. Yeah. But Carrie and Lowell uh, seems to be described by a lot of people as his best album. I haven't listened to all of his albums. He has a lot of albums. But yeah. uh, I want to. I want to go through them. It's worth it. It's really good. It's a good journey. And it, it put is me on a good track. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I'll say Karen Lowell. Rad. But let's see. Let's see. What what the heck are we going to talk about next time? Now, for our very next episode, it's going to be another 2020 episode. Last week, we talked about Super Hot. Next week, right now as we speak, we're going to do An American Pickle, the new Seth Rogen comedy. Um, on HBO but, Max. Yes, yeah, so on streaming now on HBO Max. But after that, 
We're going to do another episode just like the one we're doing right now. Another watch, play, listen. This time around, who got to pick the watch? Who picked the watch? I, I did. I picked okay. the watch. What did you pick? One of my all-time favorites, Paddington 2. That Paddington 2? Yeah. You've been trying to get me to watch this for years. Yes, it is time to watch Paddington well, 2. Sounds like you've got to watch Paddington 1 also, buddy. Well, maybe we could do a double feature. Double feature? I, yeah. I will probably have to do a double feature. I, I mean, I've, I've seen both of these films. I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah. <laughs> That's for next <laughs> That's time. It. What's it about? We've already talked about enough movie here. I've already I'm doing listen. Yes, you're doing listen, but I'm right. doing play. So I picked uh, Enslaved Odyssey to the West. This is maybe a, it's a lesser known game. For sure, a hidden gem, if you will. What, what do you have it on? I own it on the Xbox 360. Do you have a physical? I have a physical copy. I bought it for five bucks at GameStop. Okay. It was the okay. cheapest thing there, actually. <laughs> All right. And I was like, wow, I want to revisit this game. And so I decided cool to pick it. Yeah, yeah easy, right? It's like, I'm going to be playing it anyway. Yeah, I bought yeah. it months in advance. I was like, yep, I'm going to do this on the show. Mm-hmm. All right, and I got listen. I'm picking Q, Are We Not Men, A, We Are Devo by Devo. And uh, it's the album. It's a fun one. These are some long titles. Enslaved Odyssey to the West. I don't know if SoundCloud will be able to handle it. We'll see. We'll see. We're going to blow up SoundCloud. Paddington. <laughs> angry too. angry what... man yells at SoundCloud. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to take one D out of Paddington. <gasps> okay, that's fine. Uh, he'd be understanding. Okay. Good. Or change him to T's. If anyone would understand why, you know, that taking a D out of their name, it would be Paddington. What a good guy. Yeah, he's a good boy. He's a good little boy, and we're going to talk about him in two weeks. Goodbye, everybody. Wait, yep. email us. <laughs> yeah, be email sure to email us. us. Mediaboyspod at gmail.com. For Media Boys, I'm Chris Mealy. I am William Doyle. I'm Nathan Combs. Poo-poo pee-pee. Goodbye. Poo-poo pee-pee. Doo-doo. Okay. <laughs> you know, Bob, a company is like an enormous clock. Is like an enormous clock. Yes, precisely. It only works if all the little cogs mesh together. Now, a clock needs to be cleaned, well lubricated, and wound tight. The best clocks have jewel movements, cogs that fit, that cooperate by design. <laughs> I'm being metaphorical, Bob. You know what I mean by cooperation?